Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined, as always, by my trusted colleague, Weston Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field a day later than usual, Wes, because of the Monday night game and some, uh, I guess, call it a tight schedule with regard to the studio in which uh, we shoot the show here. So recording this on a Wednesday instead of on a Tuesday for our first show of the week, but we're here to talk about a 24-12 victory by the Green Bay Packers over the Los Angeles Rams. And the bottom line is the Packers are 6-8, and eight and they're still alive. They are, and that was what you and I talked about all last week. You couldn't look past the Rams. You had to win this football game to make the rest of this thing count. Green Bay came out and did that on Monday night. To my eye, you know, I, I know as Aaron Rodgers talked about and as a lot of people mentioned, this is the type of team they needed to beat, right? If you're going to actually say you are a playoff team, you had to turn back a banged-up and beleaguered L.A. Rams team. But it was how they played throughout the course of the game, I think, that impressed me the most because I thought offensively they had an identity. They had a game plan for how they wanted to attack L.A., they executed it masterfully, 138 rushing yards, Mike, and only one of those carries, uh, the longest one was for 14 yards. I don't even know how many double-digit uh, you know, yardage plays they had off runs, but they were consistent with it yeah. throughout the ball game. Romeo Dobbs comes back, leads them in receiving. They got five sacks defensively. You, you look at how they were able to dictate the tempo of this game. Keyshawn Nixon did Keyshawn Nixon things on returns. The Green Bay Packers are going to have to play better to beat the Miami Dolphins. But I thought coming off the bye and coming off the win over Chicago, this was the type of encouraging performance Green Bay needed to build up some of that confidence going into South Beach. Yeah, like you said, there were a lot of things to like in this game. Um, my, my list is, is pretty long, actually. I start with the way they ran the ball against what has been a pretty good ru- rushing defense, even without Aaron Donald, and Donald did not play in this game for the Rams, but when Donald has been out, the Rams have still been pretty stout against the run. But Aaron Jones, 90 yards rushing. A.J. Dillon only ended up with 36 before leaving for a concussion evaluation, which he ended up clearing, actually. So it sounds like all is good with with Dillon, and he'll be on the practice field this week. But A.J. Dillon with two rushing touchdowns. And as you said, it wasn't... uh, 
it was it was actually over 140 rushing yards until the kneel downs at the end dropped them back under 140. But it wasn't 140 rushing yards with a 55 yard you know explosive one in there. They 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 pounded away and and the Rams made it tough at times. There were some tackles for loss in there, some tackles at the line of scrimmage, some minus ones, some minus twos. But there were times that you saw the holes were there and Dylan would make the cut into the hole or Aaron Jones would explode through the hole like he often does. And to be able to, on a fairly consistent basis, get six and seven yard runs against a pretty good run defense, I thought was a, was a tremendous sign. You mentioned the five sacks from the defense. Most on the season. Um, and the Packers had only had one game this year with even three sacks during which Rashawn Gary didn't get at least one of those. So the fact that, you know, to get five sacks and a season high without Gary was a good sign because that pass rush needs to uh, needs to move forward. And then what more can we say about the special teams return return game dynamo in uh, in Keyshawn Nixon. I tell you. He had the there was the one called back on the penalty that that was a, a disappointing call to a lot of people, but he made an impact on kickoff returns. He made an impact on the punt returns. The Packers are winning the field position battle in these games that they're winning because of Nixon and that return unit. I asked uh, <clears throat> Aaron Jones after the game about Nixon and how that changes the complexity and, and sort of the composition of an offense when you are starting at midfield or thereabouts. And as Jones pointed out, what you don't think about when you're at the 50-yard line is, first and foremost, you get two first downs, you're in field goal range. Yep. Two, you don't know, you know, it's not easy to not turn over the football at this level. Packers have had one of the very best doing it for 15 years at the quarterback position. But there's a lot of teams that, they kind of have a little bit of their, you know, a knot in their throat trying to make sure they play clean football. The reason I say that is a lot of teams, the 25-yard line to the 50-yard line, you're going through some shark-infested waters there trying to make sure you maintain the possession of the ball, let alone get a scoring drive going. Having a returner like Nixon takes away all of that, and it gives you a little bit of a spark offensively in that you know you're not starting off at your own 13-yard line. You know you're not having to dig yourself out of anything. Uh, second right now in the NFL in kickoff return yardage average. Kini Wangawu from Minnesota's tops at 26 yards per, per return. Keyshawn Nixon's at 25.4. Yeah. Wangawu has a touchdown return on his schedule. Yeah, 97 yarder. This year. 97 yarder on Thanksgiving night. When you look at whatever it is now, eight returns of more than 30 yards, three, I think, of 50. In an area of the game that has been largely eliminated in the National Football League yeah. because of how they've pushed back or pushed up the, the kickoffs, it, it's incredible what Keyshawn Nixon has added. And as I talked with Jair Alexander about after the game, the fact he's doing this while playing the nickel corner position, um, there's no days off for him right now. Yeah. I, I'm blown away, Mike, because the Packers have had talented returners. 25.4 yards per return. If that ended right now, that would be the Packers' best stat with a guy that's had at least 20 returns since Randall Cobb in 2012. 
it, it's pretty astonishing what Keyshawn Nixon has been able to do on his 28 returns in a very short amount of time. Yeah, absolutely. Very impressive. And you mentioned that he's playing nickel corner on defense. And my what you might have missed piece with some video clips that's on the website right now, I actually took a look at how he's playing defensively at that nickel corner spot. And he's he's a solid a very solid, steady presence in this defense for the Packers in the secondary. You can you can check out the the uh, the video clips. I mean, what the the impact that he's making in two phases of the game is significant. And I thought th- this game essentially was decided after halftime. It's ten to six at intermission. The Packers had deferred on the opening coin toss, so they're getting the ball to start the second half. They drive down the field and get a touchdown. A couple of crucial defensive penalties on the Rams that helped that drive, but the Packers get a touchdown. It's so it's 17 to six. Then the defense gets a three and out with the help of a holding call that put the Rams in a long yardage situation. And then the field position comes into play because Nixon returns the punt to midfield. There's also a face mask on the Rams that puts the ball on the Los Angeles 35 yard line and just uh, a handful of snaps later from the 35, the Packers are in the end zone again. So you come out of the second half, touchdown, three and out, touchdown, and suddenly it's 24 to six. And the Packers, for the most part, were uh, were in command the rest of the game. Um, shout out to Preston Smith for his second sack of the game. That was maybe the one moment uh, later on. It's 24 to 12, and. The Rams had crossed midfield yeah. on a pass interference penalty, and then Preston Smith kind of snuffed out that drive with his second sack of the game. But other than that moment, um, you know, from 24 to six on, the the Packers were in command of this thing, and it was it was uh, it was that sequence of complementary football: the offense doing good things, the defense getting a three and out, the special teams giving you the field position, the offense taking advantage. That's how you take control and win games in the NFL. And it's a lot going to be a lot harder to do against the Miami Dolphins and a team that's right in the thick of the AFC wildcard chase. But that's what you have to have that type of stretch in a game where you take command of things. And, and it, the Packers need to do that again if they're going to continue this winning streak. Well, and I thought, too, you know, they tried to do the double-double before halftime. You know, that all kind of goes awry. Rodgers gets sacked on the attempt at Hail Mary. Right, right. Things are just not going great. You're only up 10 to 6 at that point. You yeah. are getting the ball, but, you know, a lot of things can happen. We've seen a lot of things happen this season. And the, and the Packers, as I had mentioned last week, <clears throat> the Packers hadn't been great with production on that opening drive of the second half. They'd done it nine times. Yep. They'd had only one touchdown and two field goals in nine tries before Monday night. They got their second touchdown, fourth time scoring out of 10 tries, getting that first possession, um, taking the opening kickoff of the second half, and, uh, and it worked to their advantage this time. I'm going to throw some stats at you. You're typically the stack guy. All right. I'm going to throw stats at you. First drive. 12 plays, 52 yards, 6 minutes and 14 seconds. Second scoring drive, 11 plays, 74 yards, 6 minutes and 15 seconds. Third scoring drive, the one you illustrated out of the halftime, 11 plays, 68 yards, 6.58. I'm not even talking about the fact they were able to run out the clock on the game last 8.51 yeah, the eight, game 8.51 before the, the nail down. There was a great stat that PR Maven, Tom Fanning, who had never won credit, but I'm going to give it to him anyway, came up with. The first time the Packers have had in back-to-back games in the same season, three scoring drives of 11 or more plays in the same game this year. Before that, it was 2008. 
as cool as it is, everyone loves 75-yard touchdowns. There's going to be defenses like L.A. that are going to make you go the full length of the field. They're not going to lapse. They have speedy guys in the secondary that are going to be able to catch up. The defensive front goes without saying. Yeah, they're not going to give you the big play. They're going to make you take your time. And the Packers made it happen. They yeah. made it happen with A.J. Dillon on the field. And when Dillon unfortunately had to get you know, cleared for the concussion, they did it with Aaron Jones, who was banged up. And they did it with Patrick Taylor, who had just been signed to the 53-man roster hours earlier. Aaron Rodgers makes a great throw to Romeo Dobbs on the 23-yard uh, gain during that series. The Packers were just so dang efficient in this game. And, Mike, that's what you're going to have to do now, going down to Miami, facing a playoff-caliber opponent, and being able to take care of business. It was a perfect complimentary performance in terms of everything we've asked for with the Packers' defense holding its ground on the opening possession, the Packers' offense giving them a little bit of wicker room early on, and then L.A. having to play from behind from there. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Well, the other thing we're seeing as this 2022 season has unfolded, you had mentioned Romeo Dobbs was back from the ankle injury. You look across the board, both sides of the ball, the and, and even, even uh, special teams to a certain extent too, which I'll mention. The 2022 draft class, this rookie draft class, their fingerprints were all over this yep. victory. <clears throat> Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson combined for nine catches and 101 yards. Quay Walker gets a sack and a forced fumble, the first full sack of his career. He had a half sack earlier in the season. He gets a, he gets a sack and a forced fumble, also has another tackle for loss. Devontae Wyatt gets a half a sack, sharing one with Justin Hollins. Zach Tom at left tackle is filling in for David Bakhtiari. We don't even mention his name. He, his name doesn't even really get brought up um, all night long, except for, uh, you know, being part of that big pile that pushes uh, AJ Dillon yeah. pushes AJ Dillon into the end zone in the in the big scrum there Kingsley Enigbari at edge rusher who's getting obviously a ton of playing time right now with with uh, Rashawn Gary being out for the rest of the year he gets a sack almost uh, almost an interception um, oh and and Quay Walker broke up a couple of passes too yep. almost had almost had a pick Tariq Carpenter, the seventh-round pick, is making tackles on special teams. I mean, this 2022 draft class is all over the place. Yep. And the Packers are going to need absolutely everything that this rookie draft class has to try to make a run at this thing here, starting with uh, a, a victory on, on Christmas in Miami. You get this one, and then you know, you're coming back home for two games against division rivals that are indoor teams coming to Lambeau in the cold. Everything starts to feel a little bit more realistic. Packers are going to need everything this rookie draft class has on uh, on Christmas Day in Miami, and the way they performed on Monday night was a great sign for what they might be able to do. The other thing I really liked about this game, now certainly you want you know consistency for all four quarters, but it was how guys stepped up on almost specific series, on plays. You look at Kingsley and Igbari, the the play that he gets the first down sack on, he also nearly has an interception on the third down right. you know, on this attempted screen. At the very least, he broke it up. Yeah. De uh, Devontae Wyatt, 
gets the stop on first down in the fourth quarter, then combines with Justin Hollins on the sack, which, you know, Baker Mayfield runs right into their lap, but that's football. Yeah. Uh, as Preston Smith said afterwards, you know, sometimes it isn't about the plays that you're making. It's about making those plays and then seeing what comes to you. I mean, that was kind of Preston's things. Preston's had some good rushes this year that he hasn't statistically been rewarded for. But then you look at, you know, his first sack, someone's helping flush him to him, you know. That's what this defense needs to get out of this group. And, you know, so many of these guys have been put in some really tough situations. You know, Kingsley and Igbari wasn't even really the next guy up at the beginning of the season, and now he's the starting outside linebacker with Preston Smith. Right. Zach Tom, as I wrote last week, had only played in five games. I think that's the thing that people forget about. He has these three spot starts. He sat the other eight games before last week. It's these guys being ready for the moment. And that's ultimately going to take you far in this league because if you can be ready in adverse moments, you're going to be ready for the ones that you're prepared for too. And um, it's exciting to see. Certainly, you know, you look at Quay Walker, 100 tackles on the season. You know, Christian Watson has been a completely dynamic and, and causing defensive pass interference penalties and blocking on the Aaron Jones touchdown run and catching passes. But it's when you're getting contributions from the fifth-round picks, from the fourth-round picks, and you're getting those immediate returns, it doesn't get any better for that uh, than that for a football team. Yeah, this, uh, this, this draft class showing all kinds of promise. I want to get to um, what was a, uh, a crazy weekend in the NFL after a little bit of sponsor business here, Wes. Sirius XM NFL Radio delivers hard-hitting analysis and up-to-the-minute NFL news that true football fanatics need 24-7, 365. And at Cousin Subs, we have something for everyone, like our Wisconsin cheese curds, mac and cheese, golden fries, and creamy shakes, all paired with your favorite sub or sub in a bowl, Cousin Subs, 50 years of better. All right, Wes, I don't know where you want to start with regard to everything that happened in the NFL prior to the Packers and Rams on Monday night. You have the crazy comeback by Minnesota. You have the absolute madness of a final play in Patriots Raiders. You have just absolutely brutal clock mismanagement by the New York Jets against the Detroit Lions. And then you have the officials inserting themselves and then not inserting themselves on the final drive of the Washington New York Giants game on Sunday night. It was a it was a nutty weekend. Of, uh, of NFL football, so I'll let you go where you want to go. Let, let's start off with the things that impact the Packers the most first, and it was the Giants-Washington game yeah. in terms of this, this wild card chase. I feel terrible for Ron Rivera in that football team. I How feel terrible not? for Taylor Heineke. I feel terrible you know, for those receivers. One of the more peculiar – in a season in which I think officiation officiating in this league has been really poor um, – I mean, what can you say about how that game ended? Um, and then reading the pool report afterwards, it's just – I don't even want to – one of the things I really liked, and I, I've said this numerous times when Dean Blandino was the head of officiating the NFL, was even if his guys got it wrong, and it's a, it, we're all human, yep. and this game is moving at 1,000 miles per hour, I get it. But Dean Blandino would almost put out a statement every week commenting on the officiating. And – since he left, and there's been numerous people in charge of the thing now, I feel like we're missing the accountability piece. And reading that pool report, I, I don't know what was more infuriating, the, the way that game ended, 
Terry McLaurin checking to see if he's on sides on the line of scrimmage. Lined up on the line of scrimmage, right. And then God only knows what happened in that interaction. And then for the receiver to just be completely manhandled on the play, it it was strange. The whole thing was strange. And then the the conversation afterwards with uh, the reporter um, felt weird and surly and curt. I just – if you're if you're the Washington Commanders and you're their their fans, I mean, like I I just don't know how you come out of that not feeling like you just got completely jobbed out of that. Yeah, that or at, at least at least to the extent that that um, you know, not that anybody necessarily wanted to see the Giants and Commanders tie again in the rematch, but that game looked like it had overtime written all over it, right? That it shouldn't have necessarily been decided in regulation that you go yeah. get the touchdown, the two point, you go to overtime tied at 2020 and decide what had been a, a pretty well-played entertaining football game and a, and a very impactful game as far as the, uh, the playoff chase decided in overtime and see what happens with those two teams having already played an overtime earlier this year. And, and yeah, from that standpoint, Washington was robbed of that opportunity. The giants are one win away from clinching a playoff spot and they didn't beat Washington this season. In this rematch, the officials beat the Commanders. Yeah. That's a shame. Yeah, it is. Um, the thing is Where do we go from here? Well, the thing is and I don't I don't want to make it I don't want to make it all about the officiating, but um, you know, quite frankly, the fact that Minnesota pulled off the comeback from 33 to nothing to win 39 to 36 in overtime in some ways overshadowed an, another horribly officiated game because the Vikings had opportunities taken away from them yeah. by just some really, really bad calls. And by the same token, during the comeback, Minnesota keeps, in my opinion, kept getting free 15 yards for supposed unnecessary roughness hits that you look at the replay and you kind of go, oh, that's, that's 15. Like, everything's happening fast because Minnesota's in a hurry and, you know, they got to score a bunch of points. And it was like they're marching down the field getting free 15 yards yeah. here and there. And, and you, get, you get one look at the replay and you go, wait a minute. Like, you know, the, 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 the Colts are not playing well here, but Minnesota's getting, uh, Minnesota's getting a bunch of yardage that it doesn't seem like, you know, is, uh, is legit. So it, it, that, that started things. And, uh, and I, you know, I hate that the officiating is such a, is such a story in the NFL, but, um, but it is. It's not getting better. That's the problem. Right. Like, we've it's been not, talking about this for three years. Yeah. It's it's not. It, it's it's not every year. Better. It's not getting better. The rule book keeps getting thicker. <clears throat> yeah. The rule book keeps getting thicker. And uh, and I'll say this. I, I've I've said this before in Insider Inbox. I've said it to you, and we've had conversations. As an as annoying and frustrating as it gets to see some of the things that happen on the field, big picture. I don't blame those officials on the field. No. I think the NFL has given them way too many rules, way too much to manage. And when you have that much stuff that you've got to try to pay attention to and officiate and get the calls right, that's how the, some of the obvious or what should be the simpler, more basic calls of the game are going to get missed more often because they've got them paying attention to too many things with – out a system that is robust enough to 
help them in the way it needs to help them. That's again bringing it back to the Washington New York game. I just I love that comment from I forget which official is even the the head uh, umpire that they were talking to, but um, you know he's like, well, you know he could be counting personnel. You know, there's a lot of different jobs that go along with this. It's not just seeing if the and it's just like, oh my goodness. But and and it, and it's not. I mean, come on. It's not as though <laughs> it's not as though there were a whole bunch of illegal formations being called during the <laughs> game. Run. And then and then with a minute to go in a one score game and two teams fighting for a wild card spot, you're going to decide the fact that Terry McLaurin is an extra two and a half feet off the line of scrimmage. And that's a penalty that wipes out a touchdown when the oh, when Washington scores on the play and is ready to run a two point conversion. Oh no, sorry, illegal formation. We haven't called it all game, and we're going to call it now with the game on the line and take your touchdown away. I'm sorry that there's an officiating problem in the NFL, and the league has to start taking it seriously. The last thing I'll say on this: um, this is how you know the officials and referees got too far involved in the game. Minnesota had the greatest comeback in NFL history. <laughs> Down 33 points going to the second half. And, dude, by the time that game was over, I didn't care. Like, I honestly <laughs> – like, I understand the whole implications. You want the, the Vikings to be playing for something here. It was the most monumental comeback ever. And, literally, I'm watching that go- game going on Saturday. I'm like, I just want this to be over. It wasn't exciting to me. It was, like, more frustrating because it's like – who cares at this point? Yeah, it, 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 it kind of got it, it kind of became the theater of the absurd yeah. in in a, in a lot of ways. So hey, um, Chandler Jones had a yeah. yeah say, speaking for, for of touchdown. speaking of <laughs> speaking of theater of the of, of the absurd, I tell you, it's it's interesting. I mean, we're talking about. I mean, Robert Sala's mismanagement of the clock at the end of the Jets Lions game, and then what the Patriots did on the final play of a tie game. I mean. Those those two things could cost both of those teams playoff yeah. spots here. That those those could be the moments that their teams, their fans are going to be looking back on in the off season if they don't make the playoffs and say, our season ended because of because of just you know brain lock yeah. type of stuff. I mean, just you know, it's 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 remarkable. I mean, the margin is so small in this league. We know that there are so many games that can go either way at any moment. And if the craziness doesn't happen in the Patriots game and the game goes to overtime and the Raiders win, maybe the Patriots then still aren't making the playoffs. But when you lose a game that way, when you lose a game the way the Jets did when they're fighting for a playoff spot and they have to settle for a 58-yard field goal to tie, which misses, and their coach took a timeout into the locker room with them after the game that they never used, and they had to settle for 58 yards? Like, come on, man. That's tough. The – the Patriots thing, just starting there really fast. I mean, <laughs> the game, I remember when I first saw it, I was like, oh, so the, the Raiders were, were up. <laughs> it's like, oh, no. Yeah. It was time. I know. It's like when you first look at it, you're, think, you're thinking like, oh, like the Patriots were in desperation mode. And the, this, this touchdown is only going to impact whatever goes on in Vegas. Yeah. You, know, no, no, you know, no connection to the Raiders specifically, but whatever goes on in Vegas with all the gambling and the over-under and the point spreads, and all, it's like, no, the game was tied, and the Raiders and, just won the game instead of having to go to overtime. Like, it, you know, is there anybody that took a bigger L at the end of that game than Mac Jones? One, oh. one he gets the ball comes flying out to him, Six foot five, two hundred and sixty pound Chandler Jones catches it, (laughs) 
completely pie shoulders just, him into the ground. <laughs> just face plants him. And then after the game, they asked Bill Belichick about why they didn't throw a Hail Mary, and he's like, Look, couldn't, couldn't throw it that far. <laughs> Like, poor Mac Jones, man. He just he's just taking L's all over oh, the place. Um, if I can, really quickly, just to close up the thing on Detroit. Yeah. I mean, dude, as much as the Packers are trying to make a run here, Detroit's hey. been doing this thing for a month and a half hey, now. The Lions have gone from one and the Lions have gone from one and six to seven and seven. Um, their only loss in that time was was at the very end of the game on Thanksgiving yep. to the Buffalo Bills, who, of course, are right now the number one seed in the AFC. That is the only game the Lions have lost over the last two months. They are, they are winning the close ones, including the win over the Packers at Ford Field. They've gotten two, two wins in the Meadowlands, beating both the Giants and the Jets on the road now. And, uh, and yeah, the Lions, are, the Lions are feeling it, and, uh, and they are... They are right in this playoff chase right now, one game ahead of the Packers, and uh, and if the Packers can uh, can manage to stay alive, it could make things very interesting in Week 18 at Lambeau. Field. A lot more interesting than I think everybody, including myself, thought that Week 18 game was going to be. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, we will call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team. We will have everything for you leading up to the Christmas Day game in Miami on Packers.com. We'll have another show this week also to preview that game and talk about the Miami Dolphins. For Wes, I am Mike. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.